Hello everyone, welcome to the third episode of the Grey Hats podcast. Um, I'm Jay. I'm Saskia. I'm March. <laughs> oh my god. Let's try that again. I'm Jay. I'm Saskia. I'm March. <laughs> I hate you all so much. We, let's just start this again. It, it's fine. I, just keep rolling. Keep rolling. Hello and welcome to Grey Hats podcast. I'm Saskia. No, but that's the wrong order. <laughs> Just, Jose, say your name. <laughs> I'm Jose. I'm March. I'm Jose. Uh, and I'm Harriet. And for the next uh, hour and a bit, I guess we're the Grey Hats. Um, has anyone seen anything interesting over the last month in terms of cybersecurity stuff? I saw some cool stuff that Saskia has to show. So let, let's start with Saskia then. So Tiffy and I have been having rather a lot of fun with the Pony Awards. Mm, it's pretty Ooh. good ones. Um, some of it is, is all very professional about like best bug and um, like celebrating really cool stuff. But we weren't interested in that at all because we're assholes. Um, <laughs> so um, we've been looking at the lamest vendor responses and we've been looking at the most epic fails. Best categories. They were the best ones. Yeah. Um, so... Um, Chippy found a particularly nice one. This is how innocent she is. She, she's such a sweet summer child. She found the NCC crest one. Oh, God. <laughs> the most epic fail. I just thought you'd enjoy it, Saskia, because you just you just love all the certificates. <laughs> I do love it. We all you love it. I love all the infosec drama. And the drama, yeah. That's was, what I was going to say. There was a lot with that one, right? NCC are wants, great. <laughs> they are. Wants... However, the crest thing... Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure absolutely nobody in this room immediately jumped on that downloaded file. No, I didn't. No, of course not. I never downloaded any of those. <laughs> so for anyone that uh, that might not be aware, um, there's this cybersecurity certification you can take. Um, lots of the large uh, companies, the large pen test companies will take that cert to, to kind of show that they um, meet a certain level, I guess. As part of that, there is a an exam that you have to take. It turned out that NCC uh, had basically copied all the labs um, and were distributing that to well, people that work there. Some very harsh accusations there, Jay. Are you sure you're not saying allegedly? That's what allegedly. <laughs> I can add in an allegedly. Um, but <laughs> cut it in later. It's yeah, funny. exactly. Um, but the, uh, the the interesting thing is somebody released the all that information. Um, so I guess it was probably an intern that was there or, or something, a junior maybe. Well, they don't know, do they? They're, they're, it's like it's, they're not sure if it was accidental or whether it was a whistleblower. So from what I remember, it seemed like it was accidental. Someone just put it online to share with people. Obviously, in the hacker community, that we had to have this big um, thing about you know sharing information. Information should be free. We all want to learn. Sharing. Exactly. Sharing is indeed caring. And so what I suspect happened is um, somebody, you know, was there, junior, saw all this awesome material, decided to share it, not realizing that it broke uh, like a load of NDAs and, and showed that, you know, this exam, whilst it should be used to like certify people, um, was actually just being used, like easy to, for people at NZC to, uh, 
to go and complete. To be honest, I think this was a pretty well-known secret anyway. Uh, it was an open yeah, secret I mean, in the industry, really. It was definitely yeah. an it was definitely an open secret. I think what kind of shocked people was the past first time stuff that was written all mm. over it. No. And then going to so and so if you want to get like past papers, and we all know that past papers are completely banned. Mm. So the ponies are put certifications issued by Crest, an accreditation body recognized by the British government, are a must if you want to get serious about cyber in the UK. Um the secrecy and apparent difficulty of the test has created a cloud of mystery around the certification for outsiders for a long time. But not anymore. NCC groups streamlined the certification process by creating a step-by-step -step guide. So they literally created step-by-step -step guides. Um, Pre-filled tests that you could see and then even mocked up labs for their people. We're not sure whether it was an insider, a penetrator, or somebody who was just generous enough to share pass on the first try, inadvertent commas, so that's literally the paper, pass on the first try, materials which they put on GitHub. <laughs> um, whilst, whilst handling, um, sorry, so the other thing is that there's an NDA, isn't there? So you have to sign an NDA when you're yeah. doing this. If you take one of the exams, you're not allowed to talk to people afterwards about the types of questions that were on the exams. So they're saying, and whilst handling of similar NDA violations should be straightforward in other cases, NCSC is one of the largest teams worldwide. But Crest's previous chairman, who stepped down um, as part of the ongoing investigations, still works for them. So this is the other thing that seems to be quite scandalous and a bit salacious, is that the um, one of the chairmen for Crest or one of the board members for Crest is one of the people who's um, very high up in NCC. Yeah, I think like for a while, a lot of the advice um, for more junior people was to try and join NCC so that you can upskill quite quickly to pass. I mean, uh, Jay's version of the story is quite boring and naive, to be honest. I oh. mean, in my in my head, what happened was, first of all, like allegedly all of the industry allegedly knew that allegedly NCC had all the exam material and shared it in internally. Allegedly. Uh, and then, I mean, my opinion, I mean, I'm just guessing, of course, and speculating, but I'm pretty sure that what happened was someone, you know, a disgruntled employee bef before they leave or they didn't get the promotion they wanted or whatever, they stole all the material and just shamed NCC in the public. I mean, Maybe that was it. I think it's that as well. That's much better story than some intern. Oh, I didn't know it was breaking two or three or a dozen. I think Jose is correct. Well, don't forget, it came down quite quickly, though, if I remember. Yeah, because they sent a copyright thing to GitHub. So GitHub took it down. Yeah, on behalf of NCC. Mm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I mean, not before multiple people cloned the repo, though. I mean, mm. not that I would know. I never, of course, never downloaded it. No. I never downloaded it. Nor would I. I don't need to download it. Nor do I. Not because yeah. you already had it because you used to work for NCC. No, I never, never, ever went for any of that stuff. I never tried to do CRT. It's never been in my, uh, it's never been in my blood. That kind of thing bores me. I know, because he used to work for us. <laughs> right. It's, yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's a thing that's never really, I don't know, grasped me in any meaningful way. But, um. Because it's a racket. I mean, to be fair, it's not, it's, it's not like everyone doesn't in the industry have their own CRT courses. The NCC one might've been a bit more blatant with its advertising mm -hmm. internally, you know, past first time. But I wouldn't say they're the exception to the rule here. I think the the whole certification thing is is just a just bad. It's just not point. how we should be doing things. Yeah, yeah, valid point. 
So, so what else, what else is happening in the Pony Awards, Saskia? The, the, the epic fail one I liked was the Twitter one because they actually were awarding it to the people, the hackers themselves, for not like utilizing the hack better. They were like, they just didn't even get enough money for it. They were just like, this is all you did? I just enjoyed that. They took over people's accounts, um, you know, like high profile. And then they just like said, give us some Bitcoin. <laughs> that gets a lot more money than people think it does. Uh, yeah, but you can check the the wallet. I don't really think there was a lot that they. It was like a hundred twenty thousand dollars or something. In Bitcoin at the time, mm. but this, it was like uh, six months ago or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bitcoin is now worth what three times that? It's yeah. not more. Yeah, it, it, it more than more than doubled in like a month. Even if it doubled, that still only makes it two hundred and forty thousand dollars. Which to say you had all of Twitter's high profile accounts for an hour and what you could have done with that—that's that. well, not much, not much really. You you're better off making money, right? What are you gonna do? Tweet tweet a I don't know a, a picture of something unmentionable from Trump's accounts. How, how for, much for do laughs? you think? How much do you think Barack Obama's DMs would could be sold for? Not much, because I guarantee that Obama's DMs are probably A, not exportable. B, I would imagine that they don't even, like, I imagine his account has never been used to DM anything. Um, and C, Maybe. the moment you look at that, you lose your access straight away. In my head, I imagine that they're talking about, like, ufos and stuff over twitter dms but maybe you're right Baba <laughs> maybe is probably sending clinton a thing saying congratulations on your great debate victory like the dms on twitter are not, not going to be worth that much for the most part except maybe right. elon musk yeah oh man that sounds like a good one i'm with the ponies on this one i just think it was horribly unimaginative no i mean i wouldn't turn down whatever it was whatever it would be now what f probably it must be close to 500k, right, Jose? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, that's that's half a million. Mm. I would love that. Now, if you don't mind, I've got to go and count some Bitcoin, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Completely unrelated. Bitcoins are worth, for one Bitcoin, it's worth about 15,000 pounds right now. Uh, yeah, it was over $19,000 uh, yesterday. And uh, when I woke up, it was 17 oh, and something. <laughs> I I woke up with like le 10k less in my in my portfolio. There was the um the giggle stuff happened in in the ponies as well. Oh, right? you're just jumping ahead of yourself there. So we did also. So like I say, we were only really um, focused on the stuff where it was rather failure. Um, but yes, we did get the giggle stuff. The giggle stuff was nominated in the lamest vendor um, response. But we do have a little bit of competition there. Um, so Chippy mm. quite liked Trend Micro. Oh, that was the one where they'd actually coded it to pass the security test and then an 18-year-old like found out yeah. and then they just denied it, even though it was in the code and it was really obvious. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, they, ju they just denied that the hack happened or... No, it wasn't. It wasn't a hack. They had... what they. I'm not sure exactly what it was they created, but they created it to just pass the test, oh. pass the certificate, and then... Um, yeah, someone saw this in the code. And apparently the code is just generally really terribly written as well. So they say here, it. security software shipping insecure code and dirty hacks is nothing new. But Trend Micro, uh, their uh, rootkit buster was so bad that Microsoft wouldn't certify for it for, for Windows machines. Instead of fixing their code, Trend Micro decided to cheat on the certification test. Whilst playing the WHQL process could be an admirable feat, Trend couldn't get this right either, and they were caught out by a smart 18-year-old, um, Bill Demacopi, I think. Um, oh. Demi 
Then no, McCarthy, nice yeah. that he gets named in his. We didn't get named in ours for giggle. We didn't get named in ours. Um, <laughs> despite clear evidence of cheating, uh, Trend Micro has the audacity to deny any wrongdoing, blame Demacapi for looking for attention over resolution, aka not shutting up about the project, uh, pro- problem until it's been covered up. Uh, for this, Trend Micro has been honoured with the Volkswagen of tech by journalists and driver ban from Microsoft, and they are. All, but will they also receive the pony this year? I'd like to to receive a pony award, even if it's for like lamest vendor or whatever. I feel like if Giggle win it, you can kind of take that as a sort of side win. We can take some credit for that. Yeah, I've been saying that. I've, I've absolutely maybe, been saying maybe that. Maybe if Giggle wins, you can ask them to send you the award. That's true. I mean, they they don't need it. They have a security team. So I, I when I when I saw that um, Giggle had been nominated, I tweeted, um, <laughs> "Who's going to put money on Sal saying that they've won awards for security if they get the pony?" <laughs> that would just be amazing. Yeah, it would. It would be perfect. just beautiful. There's no other way of saying it. I know that <laughs> Chef's Kiss doesn't really translate over a podcast, but. So we still think that Sal was lamer than um, than Trend Micro. Maybe not that much lamer, but definitely lamer. Um, but then IBM, they were pretty lame too. I won't hear a bad word about IBM said in my you know podcast. I mean, honestly, Chippy and I thought that when we talked about Trend Micro, all you two would do is just go on about how much you love Microsoft. But this, this month, apparently, it's IBM who's sponsoring you for your this look that you have is this where you get your money from much no however i just want to say that i've recently installed aix on my laptop and it is running smoother than <laughs> um, okay so ibm believe it or not there are still researchers out there who just want to do the right thing and report critical vulnerabilities privately without looking for compensation why would you want to report vulnerabilities you just want to lose money? Dude, you just not want money? We've, we've already spoken about this. This was episode one. We're on episode three now. <laughs> it didn't reach a, a, a conclusion for him. And it'll come up every time it needs to. Unfortunately, this doesn't quite work with bureaucracies like IBM. When Pedro Ribeiro... Oh, look, they named him. Not that you're bitter or anything, Saskia. <laughs> Me? Bitter? <laughs> when Pedro Ribeiro... First tried to inform them about pre-auth remote root exploitation in data in a data risk manager. Oh, the irony. Big Blue neglected to report that because of the paperwork, because the paperwork wasn't right, um, Ribeiro reported a cert forward slash CC not via hacker one. On the second try, IBM closed the issue as an out of scope. Uh, because it affected product and is only, a, uh, sorry, affected product that, this isn't brilliantly written, sorry, because the affected product is only available to customers with enhanced support. Edit that bit out, Jay. It was written fine. I just can't read. <laughs> no, leave that in. Definitely <laughs> keeping that in. <laughs> Fortunately, a well-deserved O-Day dropped by, I, uh, uh, drop, oh God. All right, Saskia. Have a little breathe. Fortunately, a well-deserved O-Day drop put IBM in the right direction after just a little more than two weeks, um, even their enhanced support customers could enjoy the benefits of this patch. Um, so yeah, a pretty bollock, big bollock drop by IBM there in terms of responsible disclosure. IBM have had a very different policy to disclosure for people for a long time. Had a very different policy to vuln patching for a long time. Because IBM basically invented everything independently to the rest of the entire tech world, 
um, they they don't treat things the same way. You should never approach IBM expecting things to be. Okay, treated so that's that way. interesting. I thought it was because they were a monolith, but it's not that they're a monolith. It's just that they're outside the box. Yeah, 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 yeah. IBM is like IBM literally invented everything from VMs independently at different times, all the way from like the seventies up. Their whole like approach to computing is completely not what you I don't know what would I call it? the zeitgeist is for everyone else. That's a good podcast word. Mm. We really, we re- really found like <laughs> Alistair's crush here. Like, what a fanboy! I love IBM. There's nothing to add to that. I love IBM. They're an amazing company. They helped support Red Hat. Um, they bought Red Hat. They supported a bunch of open source products that are really great. Um, their mainframes are affordable. <laughs> yeah. uh, when you buy IBM, you know you're buying something you can trust. This is like, this is Ali's vows to IBM. This is beautiful. Well, I can never tell whether he's being serious or not. Do we need to add a disclaimer here that the podcast has <laughs> been sponsored or something? I would work for IBM, but they're so good that I don't think I could make it. That's how good IBM's quality is. IBM. <laughs> One more time, Ali. One more time for the road. IBM. Machines you can trust. Yep. Um, did anyone see that uh, there's been a new release of Kali? Um, I did not see that there was a new release of Kali. What's new? I'm kind of curious. So so most of it is not super interesting, right? So now they're using ZS, uh, ZSH as the default shell, which is kind of cool for some people. I've used ZSH for like fucking six years. That's... So now you can use Kali, I guess. Um, you could already use ZSH in Kali. I mean, I've been using it for, again, six years or something. Yeah, but it's, it's the default shell now. Kind of, it shouldn't be the default shell. So, but it is. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan. Like, I, I prefer Bash. I'm a Bash user. Um, speaking of Bash, there has been some cosmetic changes to that, just um, to make it look more like ZSH actually. But the more interesting thing that they've done is they've partnered with uh, Bipe Leader. You, you know him? No. So he's the guy that made um, this tool called Crack Map Exec. Oh, I do know crack mechanism. Yeah. So it's a post exploitation tool for like Active Directory networks. Um, yeah. So what he's done recently is he's been thinking about the fact that a lot of people spend time making these products, um, the open source tools and stuff, and um, make no money from it. And large companies, you know, utilize those tools to make lots of money. Now, Part of me sees, you know, sees what the problem there and sees what what he's he's saying. Uh, the other part of me says it's an open source tool, like you, you work on it because it's something that you're interested in. But yeah. in order to um to fund like extra work, what he's done is he's partnered with um, Offensive Security and Kali, and um, now Kali gets updates to that software 30 days before anyone else. Um, That's disgusting. So yeah, it's it's a weird thing. However, reading it's an abomination unto God. Reading his blog post, I, I definitely see where he's coming from. You know, the fact that he, he was saying that when he started writing this software um, and, you know, the, the tools and stuff, that um, he expected to have, you know, people donating code. Um, he expected that people donating code, um, you know, providing updates and fixes, get, getting donations from community. Um, and none of that has happened. And what it means is that supporting these tools is, is you know, a difficult process. It takes up a lot of time. And so now with this, with the, um, with the partnering and like the, the sponsoring and stuff, um, 
it means that smaller open source tools can continue to develop uh, to be developed. It's it's a weird concept though. I mean, in my mind, open source software is done for the community, and if uh, companies benefit from it, then you know that's just something that happens. I so all hyperbole gone. Um, I see why he's done it, and you know that's his own choice. But I think that's a very bad move because. I mean, ultimately, you end up creating a weird ecosystem where people get stuff 30 days in advance. You end up people who, I don't know, it's, it's not leveling the paying, playing field, which is what open source should be about. Exactly. Everyone should have access to everything in open source. I, I, I agree. However, what I've seen happen as an alternative is that a pro version is created. Um, and the pro version has like, you know, more features. And then there's an old, like, open source version. Um, yeah, you know, it happened with, um, what's it called? Synergy, which is the like uh, virtual KVM software. It's happened with like so many tools that I, you know, I, I try to use nowadays, going back to some old stuff that I, I used to use. And then like, there's always a pro version with all the new features. So I guess this is a, maybe a good middle ground where he can start to make some money from it, encourage people to, um, to provide uh, like fixes and stuff, because if there's been a large enough fix or like a uh, 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 pull request made, then um, he will give whoever that person was some vouchers for some offset training, because of course it's sponsored by, by offset. So like, I think it's a, like an interesting concept. I'm not a fan of it in, in the point of view of, um, you know, the like ideal open source, like mentality, but I do understand where it's coming from. Um, I would be more okay with it if it was like, because I mean, it's features, right? Yeah. And I would be fine with it if it was performance updates or specific performance things that, you know, maybe Cali were letting him know what they were using. Maybe uh, if they were using, I don't know, weird shit and he could tweak it to so that it performed better. Mm. But new features is not something I'm cool with. But you do get them within 30 days. Like then, then it gets rolled out to, to everyone. I suppose you could think of it as in Cali are the idiots who signed up to free bug testing. So fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm interested. If anyone's interested, um, if you go to Porchetta.industries, I think there's um, that's like the the company, I guess, that you set up in order to like mm -hmm. talk about this this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and so that that was kind of the interesting thing that I saw that they added to Cali. Um, some new. I really new hope it works out for him. Yeah, uh, me too. It could be a really interesting model. You know, you might get um, some like some large companies starting to sponsor some of these, you know, smaller ones for features soon. I, I guess we'll see. I know we, 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 we talked about it in one of our previous podcasts where I was saying that, you know, the government should fund um, sort of, or government should legislate like software that's, you know, going to be disappeared. But I also believe that the government should at least partially fund some of these smaller projects yeah. because I mean, so many of them die. Right. Exactly. And so many of them do, as you say, they become, you know, you, you get the pro version and mm. then that, that is it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the end of the project, effectively. Yeah, and I'm starting to see the, you know, the industry is changing a little bit as we become more professional. People are thinking about money. It's not just releasing tools for, like, for the sake of it. I, I could understand that, you know, you've put a lot of your, you know, your life into some software for, for fun, really. And then there's some, like, massive pen test company that's making hundreds of thousands of pounds by, you know, running scans and charging their customers even more, so... 
Yeah, it's it's kind of a, I guess we'll see what happens. But um, as well as that, there's just been a few new tools added to Cali from what I've seen. So uh, that was in. What tools, if you don't mind me asking? Do you know any, it was anything interesting? I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Does Cali support ARM yet, by the way? Um, I can't remember. So I, I think that they do. I remember there was an unofficial one for a while. I don't know if there's an official one. Um, AWS went down, I think, like today or yesterday mm-hmm. or in the night. Um, it was last last night, I believe. It was about nine hours mm-hmm. ago, I think. I didn't notice that. You would have if you were on Slack. Um, I've not noticed. Maybe you were... Giphy was down, Jamel. Giphy was down. Slack was sending regular updates about their attempts to fix Giphy. I think I think we now we now know what Marx's sleeping patterns are. I don't sleep. Exactly. That's so it. So what happened? What happened with AWS? So it went down, and half the internet went. Up it was. It. I believe it was US. Was it US East one or US West one or something like that? Yeah. One region went down, and yeah, it caused a lot of problems for people. Not for me because I use IBM's. <laughs> um. But, um, the main complaint like people seem to have was that their rumbas, which they had on a certain time to hoover their house, had stopped working. I was like, okay, that's not. actually totally my favorite. Somebody on Twitter has said that they the first news that they got of AWS being down was Zach Whitaker tweeting that his rumba right. wasn't working. <laughs> so yes, at the moment, um, they're not saying what happened or why. Just that it went down. So it does happen though occasionally, doesn't it? It's a pretty. Yeah, and, out it, isn't it? Well, remember that there's only 12 data centers in the US, I believe, in total for Amazon. And then there's what, three in the UK? There's Ireland and Germany as well. Yeah, but there's not that many in Dublin. I think there may be one or two. And I don't know how many, I think there are more in Germany as well. But yeah, there's, there's not, they're, they're like, if a pipe breaks somewhere, that's going to happen. Yeah. That's, that's something that does happen. The fact that they've managed to avoid it so far is insane. I guess that's the problem when you have uh, so much reliance on just a couple of um, of like services. It will it will happen, and I guess it's just gonna happen more and more. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right. I think it it definitely will happen more and more. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. To be yeah. honest, uh, did anyone see the uh, the cyber alarm, the police cyber alarm thing? No. no. So I'm not entirely sure what this product does. Um, it sounds like it. you install it in your network. It's, it's aimed at um, small and medium enterprises. Uh, you install it on your network, and it gives you an alert when it detects malicious traffic. A network intrusion detection system. Basically, yeah, basically an IDS. Um, but it's, um, it's provided, I think, by, like, the police or something like that, and it's given to, like, small companies for free. Um, and it was looked at by a guy called Paul Moore. Um, and so what he did is actually he saw a tweet about this, you know, thing saying police cyber alarm is a free tool to help members understand and monitor malicious cyber activities, you know, sign up this way, blah, blah, blah. So he tried to sign up. He, um, tried to get an access code in order to download the product. Um, he didn't get one and he was contacted by the um the the police would you know saying well we can't actually just, just give you the product for some reason um here is the here is some like user guides instead <laughs> so he started looking at the user guides to see how it worked um and inside that i think there was a screenshot to a um to a link 
And he followed that, managed to download the VM, installed the VM, read the documentation. It was saying things like, you know, put this in the DMZ, um, you know, have it running. If you pull it into a, uh, if you if you need to install it on an actual machine, you can this way. If you do that, you've got to disable SE Linux for some reason. Um, There's a number of reasons why you need to do that. Uh, no good reason to do that, right? Uh, sometimes <laughs> but okay but so um just in in that i mean it should be something they say in the documentation you know you've got to disable se linux to install this software this like security software no no no, no. Uh, definitely not you should be able they should have policies that can can get around exactly it, but... why, why isn't di asking for one of those then one of these tools i yeah. don't need one well but then then you could be safe i i have my own monitoring what, what what do you use to monitor your check? security onion? Okay. And then then you you may you might allegedly use it for research. I, so yeah, this would be a very good um thing to, to research into because um so he got the VM, um started looking at it, obviously out of date software, out of date versions of PHP. Um then he managed to find uh remote command execution through one of the, the web pages. Apparently just lets you run commands. So again, you run this on your network. Um, I, I guess authenticated or unauthenticated, I believe unauthenticated, and this is supposed to be running on your DMZ. So it should be available to the internet. Right. So then he demonstrated, you know, reading the passwords file and then even accessing internal, uh, Samba shares and stuff, uh, it had cross-site scripting on it. Um, the encryption. So basically what it, what I believe it does is it captures a load of your network traffic encrypts it mm -hmm. and sends it to the police servers so that they can uh, analyze it for you know malicious things. Uh, firstly, I wouldn't do that. That seems like a terrible idea. And secondly, the encryption key was hard coded. So it's just a static key that, um, you know, that anybody would be able to see and, and decrypt, uh, decrypt the traffic. Uh, it turns out that the one he was looking at was actually an old version, you know, hence the reason why it was a link in the documentation. Um, he did manage to get a hold of the the more recent version, um, and uh, it was just as broken. So, <laughs> yeah, that's harsh. So he says here that Cyber Alarm is um, an insecure, poor designed slash engineered wrapper around OpenVAS. Um, so I I'm not really sure. Wait, if it's a wrapper around OpenVAS, then it shouldn't be detecting any network. So that's exactly what I thought. Volume scanner. Yes, it's a volume scanner. So I don't understand how that ties into their claim that analyzes network traffic, which is what they are claiming. Maybe there's a couple of different like services and things there. Um, so probably if it is though, then it's probably just TCP. Maybe, maybe it just captures traffic and then runs it against like OpenVAS plugins to see any patterns. That's not a bad move. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I've not seen it. But all of these black boxes are essentially just as bad, right? So I've done pen tests on some, and they are the most insecure things I've ever seen. Any security product uh, is just terrible. If, if it's something you plug into your network. Honestly, I mean, I don't know. I guess you guys have, have also done pen tests against these type of, type of systems. Um, yeah, you can't see what I'm sitting on right now, but it's actually a throne made of Odes <laughs> from those systems. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, and they don't want to fix them. Or very rarely want to fix them. Um, they what they do try to do is uh, like stop you from reporting them and getting CVs and stuff. They they definitely try to discourage that. 
but yeah, these a lot of these systems are just just terrible. Um, it's it's hard, right? Mm. If you're a small company without much budget, um, trying to find good tools that you can use to help stay secure is 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 a difficult thing for sure. You got to put a lot of trust into these these companies. Are you drinking scotch out of a bottle? No, and I'm also not smoking a North Korean cigar, Saskia. <laughs> so that means yes to both of those things. Uh, I guess the uh, the only last thing I, I want to talk about was the um, there was an RCE in uh, Mobile Iron. Did anyone read about that one? I, I oh, heard about cool. it, but I didn't read too I, deep into it. I didn't. I didn't read about it, but I'm interested. Okay, so um, Mobile Iron is a um, like an MDM, so uh, basically phones. Uh, you know, the company wants to do like bring your own device or you know, manage their internal like phones or whatever they all connect to the mdm and then you can like push out configuration things and manage them make sure they're all secure uh so used by a lot of companies um i've i've had a mobile iron installed on devices before. yeah i've even tested it yeah exactly i think a lot of us have um well you know the implementation of the the configuration but so it's used by a lot of people, including a lot of companies, including you know Facebook um, and like other massive organizations. And um, there was a, a vulnerability found in uh, I think a few weeks ago, maybe. Uh, either way, so, sometime you know in in late twenty twenty, uh, with a nine point eight CVSS score um, by a guy called Orange Tsai, I think T S A I. I think he's this Chinese hacker. Um, so it was kind of cool, uh, the way that he managed to uh, exploit it. It was kind of a basic thing in a way, like Java deserialization, but in order to actually get it working, uh, I had to jump through a few hoops. I think it was in the management area. So, and that was behind, um, Apache. So there was some like, uh, Apache rewrite rules to protect it. They managed to bypass that and then bypassed a few other things. I've actually managed to get deserialization. Um, I believe he reported it to um, to Mobile Iron. They fixed it, uh, but that's a hardcore call. It it was a cool one and, and a quite a good write up as well. Especially, I, I'm not sure of all the details, but there was like some interesting like things to overcome that he managed to do. But then it turns out that um, Facebook was had not updated for a couple of weeks. So whilst he was monitoring the internet for you know who who was running this and um, and like how they had like whether they had updated or not noticed that facebook hadn't updated it and managed to exploit it got uh, a server i got a shell on um on the facebook servers and then reported that as a bug bounty uh, so yeah it was, it was a, a good writer do you know how much you got well, from the facebook bug bounty? he didn't say I mean, he didn't say that's a bit savage because you know that's like a zero day yeah. and it, well yeah, i mean it, had, nice. it was patched it was patched by the time he exploited it on facebook Oh, okay. yeah, 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 it's still a very nice film. And he found the film, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, props to him, uh, I just wanna, you know, yeah. and he thumbs up, dude, yeah, yeah, it was, it was cool. You hear this, um, and but it's uh, a proof of concept was available made available in September, I think, um, and it's, it's mm -hmm. being exploited by ATP groups and uh, malicious actors and stuff, um, so uh, before we move on to the main topic, um, so. Uh, electronic voting anyone else saw anything uh, nothing to share now my mind has gone blank because i did have a story but it'll, it'll come back to me uh in that case um electronic voting this is obviously interesting yeah something that people have been talking about a lot over the last uh, month or so 
Uh, I think more than I've ever heard people talking about it before. Jose, I believe you're a fan yes. of it, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's not that I'm a fan of it. It's, uh, I'm just baffled on how we're on 2020 and this is not like the standard everywhere. We can get to the moon but we can't yes. figure out to like, what the hell man <laughs> like you we've put man on the moon there's cars out there driving themselves <laughs> but what putting a, a fucking radio button oh no <laughs> that's too complex how can we make the radio button secure no it, it does seem kind of insane doesn't it um and well, it would definitely have lots of benefits i'm gonna interject here uh yeah sure we've done all these things but also, we just had a massive AWS outage already, like literally yesterday night. Yeah. And your current voting system would go down with a single match, like a, the strike of a match with fire. <laughs> just burn all the ballots. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So AWS has an SLA of like 99.99999% availability. And your alternative is like, oh, this piece of wood would destroy everything. In my head, yes. I had it that you had it doubling up as a dating website. And if like you match somebody, no one would be able to vote ever again. And I kind of love that. Yeah, that, that would be kind of cool. I mean, I just think that technology is still like, let's be fair here. Tech is still in its infancy, right? Mm. For all that we talk about, we, oh, sure, we put men on the moon. We put men on the moon using like analog computers and things in some cases or extremely ancient things. Tech hasn't gotten to the point where I think stability is a guarantee. I yeah. think that is my main argument against voting. Sure. Not so much, I mean, not so much that I think- That's that, why you that have stuff vote. like fault tolerance. And if one system go down, you have 300 other ones to fall I mean, back on. I'm very familiar with fault tolerance systems, but even they, like let's take, I don't know, tandem non-stops, which were fault tolerant machines in the 70s and 80s, or we can take, uh, IBM System Z, which is a very fault tolerant mainframe. Um, if you're looking for a mainframe, I would recommend it. Well, IBM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, first um, you gave me one example, which is from the 70s, and then the other, which is a single mainframe, which is a single point of failure. If I can burn it down, then single the whole family mainframe, mainframe goes also, down. it's impossible to kill it. Trust me, I've tried. You can implement fault tolerance in the design and architecture of whatever solution you're deploying. And yeah, you trust the yeah, government yeah, to do be, that. It can be heterogeneous. It can be geographically, uh, you know, separated. There's lots of ways to make this. If, if you were making these systems, I would be fine with it. If you had infinite money and you were making these systems, absolutely. But the people who do, do not have infinite money and they're not you. Saskia, do you trust these systems? Um, what I find really interesting about all of this is that um, everything's being twisted to fit the narrative of the person that's talking about it. So um, they're dangerous when it fits us. They're not dangerous when it doesn't fit us. Um, even now, the people from the DEFCON villages are changing the narrative. We've then had Trump tweeting stuff from the DEFCON um, voting hacker village as well. Um, in terms, of, in terms of whether you trust it or not, I wouldn't ask me. I'm not a specialist in this area. I'd look at Matt Blaze, who is a, a, a specialist in this area. What I found really interesting was the fake whistleblower, the fake Hillary Clinton whistleblower, who put out that tweet saying that he had like a 50 meters swimming certificate and it was <laughs> like an MVQ in cooking or something. Matt Summers, I'm, I'm I'm literally referencing you for that hilarious tweet, which had me pissing myself laughing. So this was the guy that um, 
that tweeted all his uh, like his background and and accreditations and stuff, and then started speaking about um, a collection fraud and things. Chippy, whilst uh, Saskia looks up the name of the dude, what are your thoughts? Would you trust electronic voting? I would trust it, but I think a lot of people wouldn't trust it. And I think that is where a lot of your problem would actually come in. It's not that they're impossible to build securely. I mean, I don't know enough about it. Obviously, you guys probably know the security side of it more and you're going to have different opinions about it. But I think it'd be more that a lot of people wouldn't trust that their vote was being counted anyway. So in a sense, would it even work? Because if, if people don't believe the voting is working, then is it is there any point in going through all that trouble? That is that is a great point and a far more interesting one than March's, by the way, with the fault tolerance. Um, but regarding that, I mean, there's so many ways you could do that. So first of all, you could have third parties verifying the code and you, know, you would trust the third party. Uh, also, you could have this be open source and anyone could check the code. That and, doesn't necessarily and, make it more secure, Jose. I'm not saying it's more secure. I'm saying it's more transparent so that anyone can verify mm -hmm. the, the code. Um, and then they can trust it because they can look at it. Uh, and also, I mean, it's 2020. Just put it on blockchain. There you go. Boom. Solve it. So a lot of these systems, they do actually print out a, a paper um, like receipt as well. Because I, I now I'm not sure of the details, but I think there was a case where the FBI said that um, one of the electronic um, like voting registration uh, databases was breached because they were using electronic voting. Um, I think you're correct. Yeah, I think that's in Arizona, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. And so about right. it yeah, wasn't so, breached so because is... it was using electronic voting. It was breached because they sucked. It's different. Well, two different. Yes, things. yes, correct. The implementation was was insecure. It was rolled out. Um, and because there were no paper, because there was no paper trail, mm. there was uh, no way to validate what happened okay. in the FBI. That's great. Uh, I don't, I, I don't like the paper solution just because you know any machine can just print a piece of paper. It doesn't mean that your vote counted. But put it on a blockchain. Anyone can check every every single votes. They can see that how many people voted, who they voted for. I mean, it, it can be. It can be private or not, but you mm. can see that this ID voted for that guy. You can count the votes yourselves. Uh, Have you got a particular blockchain implementation you'd recommend? Uh, I mean, it would depend on the on the properties and characteristics that people are looking for in the solution. Like, if they do want some privacy, you would have to you know, have some form of indirection where you wouldn't have your, your name or actual ID associated with the vote. So something like XMR, right? Well, yeah, as long as you could, you know, verify the the transactions afterwards. And you you would know your vote because you know your ID and you would you might be able to check it, but you wouldn't know, you know, everyone else's votes. So I think that's a great idea. Jose solved it. No, no, I, I didn't solve it. Blockchain has been doing this for years. And before yeah. blockchain, there were, there's consensus um, protocols like BFT and whatever that sort out, uh, you know, fault tolerance, including malicious fault tolerance, where, you know, people are lying in the network. They would still agree on the correct value for stuff. So, I mean, there's for decades, there's been solutions to this problem. It's just mm -hmm. now, nowadays, it's so ubiquitous that I, it's unfathomable. I unfathom. Oh, what's is that? Is that the word? Yeah, unfathomable. Yeah. So, so I got it right. Uh, how it's not like widespread and everyone is using it. So there are. So there could be some good implementations if uh, if people just 
invested in and, and did it. Um, so I was reading about the different types of uh, electronic voting systems there are, right? And there's, um, so I think paper-based electronic, uh, electronic voting, where that's where you yeah. like make a, you know, tick on a piece of paper and the hardware and it just, it. exactly, just reads it and scans it and then tallies it up. Um, and then there's direct recording electronic voting systems, which is like just, you know, a device with buttons, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think it just collects the votes locally, and then they need to, to be counted and then shit. Yeah, or they get sent off to a batch to a server somewhere, which is my, again... So, yeah, that's public network um, DRE voting yeah. systems. Yeah, and they get all, like, collated um, and voted in, like, a, a, a single place or something. So, yeah, I just I didn't quite realize there were, like, these different types of, of voting systems, electronic voting systems. Um, does anyone know which countries actually use electronic voting? Uh, the U.S. Estonia? uses electronic voting systems for sure. Mm. Estonia does as well. Yeah. I want to say Finland Brazil? too. Do to Brazil, does, Brazil does yeah. have some electronic voting? Yes. I think in Estonia, right, you can vote from like wherever you are in the mm. world. Um, at least in some of the the, the elections. I, that they I have. mean, that's that's two really good examples, actually, Brazil and Estonia. So Estonia, mm. uh, it has the the best like electronic system for you know government related stuff. Like you can mm -hmm. open a company and manage your company and hire people mm -hmm. do your voting pay your bills sign contracts everything you can do it over the internet so yeah they, they have like a really modern system again like it's not like they're in the future it's just like they're in the present and everyone else is in the past um and in the case of brazil they're not as evolved uh, technologically but they do have mandatory voting and in a country like brazil where there's like 200 million people or close to that you can imagine what uh, it is to count 200 million votes you can actually imagine it fairly easily because it just happens three weeks ago mm. and uh you know they don't have the problems that happen in the u.s supposedly you know first world country with top tech uh to count you know fucking pieces of, of paper you know and nobody knows where where this pay where the paper come from where there are people watching the the counting all this stuff which i mean I'm, I'm granted it can all be you know fake fake news and drama whatever it would never happen polarization it just would never happen if there was electronic voting so just the fact that we had that there's all this discussion around it and uh, you know bashing the democracy in essence um you know there's so many ways and reasons to bash democracy the actual acts of voting shouldn't be the one yeah i definitely agree but i mean i would argue that all the problems in the us are called by, caused by political polarization more than they're caused by any real concerns right like okay. we but by removing that means of polarization you already reduced a lot of it right because there's people now doubting but you can't you, you, you won't be able to remove the means because polarization isn't logical no they'll still find a reason to doubt the tech even if it was e-voting because they even even more so because mm -hmm. they wouldn't understand it so there would be more mm -hmm. fear well, that's, that's if true. they can verify it, it doesn't matter if they understand it. It just matters that people actually know that it can be verified. And anyone, you know, arguing against it or, you know, arguing that it's manipulated or whatever, they're just, that is the definition of like a conspiracy theorist. That's it. it, it, it but pe people are going for conspiracy theories. These yeah, days. but there's They're room for it. If if technologically and mathematically it's impossible for the conspiracy theory to be true, then they cannot go that route. They have to find a new conspiracy that theory. That just sounds like something a lizard person <laughs> who's in charge of the elite would say. So in an ideal world, I guess we all agree that electronic voting could work. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, in an ideal world. But we're not an ideal world, right? The government, the UK government has spent a lot of money on the track and trace system and not delivered it. Um, there has been cases of electronic um, like voter fraud happening. Um, where do we think we are, you know, as of now with the systems that are available? So I, I, I know there's a lot of hardware issues, right? With physical access to a lot of these devices, it is possible to run Doom on them, uh, for example. Um, change votes. I think there was you got a problem with Doom. Freaking love Doom. Um, maybe not on a, a voter machine. What we're saying is, well, paper's not secure. Paper's really easy to make a difference to. I mean, we know from our own elections in the UK that all you need to do is rock up and say who you are. It's actually illegal for them to ask you for ID. So I, I literally, I know where I know where March lives. I know his full name. I know all of his details. All I need to do is turn up to his po like, polling station and go, hi, I'm March. And they have to let me in and they have to let me vote. So given that these devices do have issues, I mean, it, we can't say that they don't, right? If you have access to these devices, you can do whatever you want to a lot of them. Yes, but that's not necessarily going to guarantee, like always be the case because there are things like security verified kernels, right? Mathematically verified kernels. We can actually, that is not so much the issue that I'm worried about, really. It's more like the availability and the, um, like our, our networks, right? TCP, IP, all of that stuff is not made for- uh, So, but if, secure... if, you, if you run the voting period for a longer amount of time, then you kind of get around that. Someone would have to bring these systems down for maybe a week, two weeks. And I mean, sure, TCP IP was not made for electronic voting, but there's application-level protocols that you know can compensate for that. Oh, yeah, let's just put the Band-Aid on the... Let's put the Band-Aid on the TCP IP. Yeah, well, you can, you, you can put the Band-Aids all you want. The truth is that, <laughs> that the application logic will handle whatever a TCP IP can't. That's it. I don't... It's it's a fucking checkbox, man. It's it's not the end. Like right now, as we speak, there's a Tesla on the way to Mars. Okay, there's a Tesla Roadster. <laughs> yes, on the way to Mars, and we and you're telling me that we can't have two radio buttons. Yes. Do you want to? Do you want you want Elon Musk to be in charge of this? Is there a way to augment the um the voting, electronic voting, with paper like paper? A paper trail. Maybe that's the way to do it, right? So forget the paper voting trail. Happens. Have a blockchain. Um, that's that's it. I'm I'm talking about more about in the uh you know in the current time, like what's happening now. What there so, are blockchains right now. Who are you talking about? I mean, in a four years election period, you can implement the whole system. There's no reason to have paper in 2024. I am kind of agreeing with. Jose, to my own disgust. You've convinced them. Um, what we should have is an electronic voting system, Allo, the typical one, and then we should have a blockchain as a backup. I think that's the way to go. I think I can't remember which country it was, but there was, it might have been Estonia, where if you, you can also vote by paper, and if you vote by paper, that overrules your e-vote. So if anyone didn't trust it, they could just go and put their paper vote in, and then, you know, then it would overrule anyone who could potentially be voting as them. I think it was Estonia, but don't, it might be someone else. Which is something that I think is, is kind of important because there are people from different generations, people have different relationships with technology and different trust with technology. Mm. So I think it needs to be a hybrid system whilst we are in the generations or the multiple generations that we have at the moment. 
a, a better distribution of wealth and people actually paying taxes means that we'd have more money within government spending to be able to invest in things like electronic voting and feed children. I mean, if, if we use the US as an example, since it's the, you know, the most recent and chaotic example, it's not like the US government is poor. I mean, their budget is on the trillions of dollars, which there's no man with that much money. And uh, they spend, you know, billions of dollars in warfare and all, all this other stuff. So it's not like they lack money. It's just that it's badly invested. And the, the people investing is the government. So it's people not the have a vested interest in government swaying a certain way, which is why they donate enormous amounts of money. I mean, people like uh, Zuckerberg, for example, he donates to both parties simply because he wants them both on his side. I mean... It is also the fact that the U.S. government is just incompetent when it comes to using money, as all states are. Exactly. As Oh, thank you. Finally, me and March agree on something. I think you say that every episode. There's one thing that you agree on. They go through a rocky, they go through a rocky arc and then eventually yeah, they end so, up. Oh my God. I, this is a historical event, you know, in what, six years or more <laughs> that I know him? And we I mean, finally we, we agree on, on We agree on a bunch of things. It just happens to be the state sucks. Every podcast that we do has an element of rom-com, which is you and March. It's the rom-com bit of you and March. It's you mm. meet across a crowded room, you hate each other and don't agree, even though you know that you're fundamental in, fundamentally in the core, your, your views are the same. And then at some point you meet in the middle and, and, and mm. that, that love is cemented. And magic happens. So you you were talking about um, the the benefits of uh, of electronic voting, right? I guess the question really is: Do the benefits outweigh any um, like negatives? So obviously, more people voting is is always a good thing. Easier to vote. So w what exactly is the negative then? Because I ha you didn't specify any any negative. So I guess I mean I'm having, trying to struggle to to find one to because oh. I'm I actually think it's a good idea, but I guess. Um, the the cost, cost implement never going down and an election being delayed the, or in other ways altered, which yeah. again increases yep. the distrust. What, what is I the cost of well. all this uncertainty yeah. and you know societal uh, chaos that How is happening is with the US spring? because of the votes? I would say from a privacy perspective, there were there were potentially issues that people would be worried about. Well, I'd say probably fewer privacy if you can vote for your own, from your own home. You don't have to worry about um, being kind of abused on your way there or feeling threatened. Um, I guess like another disadvantage. Um, oh, damn, what was I going to say? Never mind. I'll come back to it if I remember. Okay, so another disadvantage. Wait, which one was the first one? Oh, the costs. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> so so cost. Oh, so trust, right? So if if people don't trust, even if the system was perfect, if people don't trust it maybe they'd, they'd be less likely to, to, yeah. to vote, which is something to consider. Like the reason why we are doing this is because we want to know what people want to do. And if people don't trust the system and we're not getting that voice, you know, there's, there's some implications there as well. I think the trust is probably the main issue with it. Because mm. I don't doubt, like Josie said, like the technology is there. Obviously it's there. Companies already use that. Like you can make a company that's secure and the money is there too. Mm. But it's just that people wouldn't trust it because they don't understand it. Whereas people understand a piece mm. of paper going okay, in a box. Okay, but I mean, let's revisit the logic of what we're saying here. Like we're talking about, I go mm. to, to a place, you know, where multiple people are watching me and trying to influence me and, you know, with banners and whatever. I put like 
a tick in a piece of paper and put it in a box that, and then I never see it again, you know, and then someone else who I never met, I didn't see, I do not know, takes that box, takes it to a closed room again, which I do not see. And I never been there and they count the votes magically. And suddenly there's someone that is elected. And how, how can I trust that? There's so much room for mischief there. Um, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's logical. I'm just saying these are people who like won't use like contactless card payments and stuff. People aren't logical. Is, yeah, this is just people who just fear technology as a whole. I prefer voting in person. I don't trust uh, e-voting precisely because I think that the networks aren't stable enough. Precisely because I think that the technology that is being used isn't mature enough, even though we do yes, have more mature technology. You are comparing what we have with something that we do not, with something that we don't have. You know, like yeah. Would you ever trust e-voting, like if you thought it was secure enough? If I, if I did it, yes. You, if you could check, if if I can look at a blockchain and see that my vote is there and is correct, and I assume, and everyone else can do the same, you know, it's publicly verifiable. Yes, yes, yes. and I, I totally agree with you on the blockchain thing. I think blockchain is this is one of the few uses of blockchain that is absolutely fantastic. Well, I mean, that is, it's not really. I mean, that's the whole use of blockchain. That's Blockchain was created basically to resolve uh, the consensus uh, problem. And consensus is achieved, you know, through votings. And that can be a hash, a hash, a Shah hash, or it can be a vote for the U.S. presidential election. You know, it's consensus is is based on we're a voting. blockchain podcast so an, now. An, an election is a consensus problem if you, were to, if you were to use blockchain though would it show that you had voted or would it show how you voted both uh so it would it would depend on the blockchain implementation that you did but you could have you could have both and it doesn't mean that it would necessarily be a privacy mm. issue because you could have you know a degree of interaction where you know, you Saskia, you have this ID that, you know, was you generated if you wanted, you know, you generated it, it's only you know of your ID, and then you use that ID to vote. And as long as you don't share that ID with anyone else, and it's never been through anyone else's hands, um, you would be able to go into the blockchain and see that your vote is there, and it, vo it was voting for the guy that you voted, guy or girl or whatever. How, how would you check that more votes haven't been added. Well, you, you you wouldn't check that, but everyone else could check their own votes. Yeah, you'd have the consensus. You'd have the network consensus, right? Yeah, but that doesn't protect you against people making like fraudulent votes, adding IDs, illegal votes. You can do this with the public keys. Okay, but 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 that's but that's where the blockchain will come in because you will also need to mine, you know, a specific block. It's not ju you just can't you can just manually, mm. you know, magically add it. So there'd be some process that does the verification. You could even do public private key cryptography for this mm. kind of thing, right? You get a private key to make the vote and stuff like that. And there's, there, there, blockchain is actually a good solution for this. Do you think that, but, but I mean, do you think this is something that is easily implementable? So like when you're putting the- It can be implemented, yes. There's cryptocurrencies uh, coming up every day, you know? I mean, how, how can we not implement this in the space of four years? No, I'm talking about usability. I mean, in terms of usability, it can be anything. It could be an, an app. It could be a, still a machine. You go there, you push a button on the machine. You, maybe you scan your your card or your ID or something. Push a button. I, I don't really trust the machine thing. Yeah, though. I don't trust the machine thing. Yeah, I think there does need to be an element of a hybrid system. So I remember when we were doing the Brexit stuff and um, my nan, who's now died, um, 
didn't know what really what to make of the situation all she was interested in was that young people would be protected so she asked my parents what's best for the kids and they said what's best for the kids in our opinion is that that we stay within Europe but the reality is she was kind of carted down to the polling station in a wheelchair wheeled in and then had to kind of make a mark on a box with a pencil I mean is this something realistically we can expect multi-generationally that people would be able to use yeah we can make something that can be multi-generational I fully believe we can do that I mean, Jesus, uh, Jamel could code two radio buttons in about in about in about ten seconds. He can probably he's probably doing it right now. I I, I see. Two Go on my website. You can vote for the president. Sorry, this was this was based on the trust question that Jay put forward. For something that pe- everyone trusts. So, so my 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 nan, my nan would have trusted. So if my dad put an account up for her and, and voted on her behalf, then she would have trusted that. But that's not democracy because my dad could have voted whichever way he wanted to. You know, there's, I just think there's more subtleties to this. Well, y- your nan also trusted your parents to that, you know, the best thing for the children would be to stay in Europe, for example, in your example. Absolutely, right? but so, she still put the I mark mean, in the box she... herself. So at the end of the day, if she'd have gone into that voting booth and thought, <laughs> I hate my grandchildren, they are awful human beings, and then voted like for Brexit, which she may have done. I'm pretty sure she didn't, but she may have done. It still would have been her final choice. Do you think an electronic voting system would take that away from people? Well, she wouldn't have been able to do it with an electronic voting system. But I think there are benefits. Okay. So so I think there's there's two options there. So the first one is she could just, instead of talking to your parents, she could talk to you know someone else who also knows and also wants Brexit, and she could still vote for Brexit. Uh, the second option is what you know Chippy was mentioning earlier, where she might there might be you know some form of an analog scheme still, where she can still go in person and then votes, and that vote will supersede whatever electronic vote she had before. So isn't that the system that they use in some of the states where they scanned in the vote that was done manually? So their machines, a lot of the time, as I said before, they have the um, the paper-based systems where you do make a mark and then it gets scanned in and then it counts like it detects where the um like where the mark is yeah but that idea is to basically you know remove human error during counting and also try to provide some trust to the counting method because i mean even if whoever's counting is the most honest person on earth they will still you know they're counting you know 200 million votes they're still going to mess up so that's that's kind of the idea but there's still so many trust issues there because i mean who implemented these machines who verified these machines how do i know how can i verify that the machine actually you know counted my vote uh, and where does that vote go afterwards you know so i mean there's yeah. there's so many things and so many ways where things can get messed up in transit while you know with the example of the blockchain for example you could forever go back and verify everything so i guess we all agree that it is possible to have a a perfect electronic voting system um do we think it's definitely possible to have something way way better in every Mm -hmm. single aspect than what we have now a paper but um do we what do we think do we think that there was a fraud in the states i i believe i believe that there was definitely fraud in this election if there was definitely fraud in the previous election yeah i mean i'm i'm i think that definitely there was fraud you know 
in one way or another, probably in every election and also, you know, all the time for mm. both parties. It's just, it's a matter of, in this case, but in particular, I guess, it's a matter of does the fraud that did exist, is, is it significant enough that it actually changed the way that the election should have gone? But I think that's unlikely. I guess the reason why I said flippantly it doesn't matter is because the US already has gerrymandering. It always is, it already has lobbying. It already has a bunch of different things that are going to be way more influential than fraud, right? Yeah, of course. The system is still rigged across different areas and things like that. Um, that is that is a that is a topic that I don't want to get into because you know what? As much as I hate Trump, I'm not going to fucking invalidate his win because he did win according to the system in the U.S. Like at the end, I do want to talk about the um, what, what was the guy's name? Hursty, I think Hursty hack, um, where he did demonstrate how he could. Um, like change votes. This was in 2005, I think. Um, I, I I did take a quick look about at what he was doing. I didn't understand the details. It was something about like voting for someone like negative five times and voting for someone else plus five times. So the machine would count it as like a, a baseline, and you still yeah. got to take votes off of someone. Like it was an interesting uh, like an interesting thing to read about, but uh, I'm not really sure the details. So yeah, I mean, there's all I guess. With all technology, there's, there's going to be issues. It's just trying to figure out, can we develop something that has fewer issues well, of course, than we can, what we currently have? We can develop mathematically verified software. We can develop mathematically verified yeah. kernels. We can develop mathematically verified operating systems, for God's sake. But then you have the issue with people trusting it. But now we have the issue where people go to vote in person and there's, um, you know, there, there's people trying to stop them or whatever. So... I guess there's never going to be a perfect voting system. It's just trying to find something that works best. Maybe we should take voting away from people and, you know, go for something like the, the uh, DPRK. They seem to have a system yeah. that's quite stable politically. I, I would I would put Ali in charge and let you run everything Oh, yes, for everyone, put for me everyone. in charge, yes. I mean, it is technically stable. Yeah. It's pretty stable. If by yeah. stable, if you mean does, doesn't change, then I think that's true. <laughs> in a sense... <laughs> It's technically stable, yeah. So I guess none of us have uh, any solutions to what's going on. No, none of us can say for sure whether fraud happened or not. But what we can say not is... Only, not only do we not have anything to say, for, but we shouldn't say that. We should totally stay in our lane when it comes to stuff like this. I mean, it's... this is Well, we're security experts. We are security experts, but also this is the problem with security. It's like one of the main problems with security is the minute we see anything, we have to have an opinion and we have to think that we're right. But we're not specialists in this area. And I think it's a really, I think it's a really interesting discussion. And I'm really like really welcome the discussion that we're having. Oh, but... As experts, we should be able to say whether it's possible that there was fraud in the election. Literally, we're saying whether it is or whether it isn't and what the implications are, but what we shouldn't be doing is solutionizing what the resolve is for no, this. No, we're no, no, that... of course not. But I'm asking, like, I guess, as of now, we, we can't say it either way whether there was or wasn't fraud. It seems like no, with the current system, it's, been, it's possible, um, but I don't think there's been any evidence of it. 
Exactly. And also what we have to say is what we can't account for is the understanding of the politics that goes on behind it, because that's not something that we've been exposed to enough. So everything that we see is just it's just the media side of it. It's all the conspiracies and stuff. We haven't actually been presented with any facts, so you can't draw any actual conclusions. I was talking at Congress, ICS, um, I, um, ICSC Square Congress with um, Kat Chapman, um, which I did, I think, last week or the week before. Um, and we were literally talking about media manipulation and we covered Trump and we, we talked about all sorts of areas. Um, and this is an ongoing project that she and I have been doing for about 18 months now. And it's been through many iterations and March knows about it quite well because we've talked to him quite a lot. We were talking to you about the Julian Assange stuff and the stuff with Chelsea Manning. You've put a lot of input into, into the project in terms of the insight that you've given us. Um, because we're trying, we're trying, we're trying to be um, as unbiased as possible, which is, you know, quite difficult. But we're trying to be as unbiased as possible. But when we were looking through in terms of what we were going to do about the voter situation, it was just so hard to find anything that actually matched up in terms of um, balanced reporting with this. We 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 actually removed it from the presentation and we replaced it with um, an analysis of the figures that are quoted every few months about how many women there are in cybersecurity, because what we could do for each of those headlines was trace it back to the source of where that research had come from, then dissect the research and look at the methodology. When we tried to do something similar for the election, we just got caught up in just the weirdest kind of rabbit hole. Um, and it, it's, it's a much, much larger piece that's going to take a lot more research and a lot more kind of resource than we have. This is like, there's crazy conspiracy going on here. So maybe it is our responsibility to try and provide the information based on our technical expertise to allow people to um, to be able to either trust these systems or understand where the weaknesses are. I would, I would just like to, to add that <clears throat> all of that would be, you know, a non-issue if we had true electronic voting. <laughs> and on that note, I, I guess it's, it's probably time to wrap things up. Um, before we end, does anyone want to plug anything? Yeah, I was just going to plug that uh, Chelsea Manning has a uh, a Twitch <laughs> channel at the moment. I believe it's uh, I believe it's XYZ Chelsea is her username, but I'll be able to find out. Uh, I'll, I'll find it out, and you can put it in the link in the in the podcast like description yep, or something. I will do that. Um, but yeah, yeah, you should go. You should go see her, chill out, and play some like Stardew Valley or something. Everyone seems to have a Twitch, at the, and so do I. I guess I'll put that in. Um, so me and Jose. <laughs> Uh, we have um, our, our Cyber Senpai's Twitch stream. Um, if anyone wants to come and chat with us sometime and talk cybersecurity, uh, see us, you know. What does Cyber Senpai things. mean? Cyber Senpai? Senpai. It, senpai. It means that we're the not quite as good as a sensei, but more experienced than someone that's like brand new to it. <laughs> Cyber Senpai and I'm a gram of Cyber Senpai is Cyber's penis. <laughs> I have nothing to add to that. Yeah, figure that, Guess you figure came that up one with out. the name Cyber Senpai. <laughs> uh, any, anyone else? No? Uh, I'd oh, like to, uh... I, have a, I have a plug. Okay, go ahead. By Rex. <laughs> God damn it, I was just going to do that. I <laughs> <laughs> It's not for sale yet, but you can still sign up for free. Chippy's wrote terribly hard on the website. It looks beautiful. <laughs> I can't. I can't take compliments. 
Jose, do you want to tell people about your other podcast? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's relevant because it's in Portuguese. So <laughs> maybe people are learning. Well, Portuguese. if anyone listens to Portuguese stuff and wants to t listen to two guys talking in Portuguese about gaming and random shits like fallacies, um, yeah, you can look for floppy talks on YouTube. It's not phallic, it's fall fallacies. Fallacies. Imagine how like smooth their logic Portuguese fallacies. accents are. You can sleep to this podcast. Oh, yeah. I, need, I know at least one other Portuguese hacker that may at least be aware of the podcast. Uh, so if he makes it through to this part, then maybe you'll, you'll gain one more viewer. I'm not even sure if the podcast will make through to this part. So there we go. If you like Portuguese, you need to be listening to floppy or, or if you just like listening to Jose's voice. There he goes. It's just it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's that was so yeah, fiery. Right. Exactly. A nice a nice noise to sleep to. Uh, in that case, it. thank you everyone. Uh it was fun chatting and I'll catch everyone next time. Bye bye, bye guys. Nice.